True crime. Sex. Political conspiracy. Celebrity gossip. Murder. UFOs. Crooked officials. The occult. Assassination. Courtroom drama. Rape. Corporate scams. Scandal sheets. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Scandal Sheet. My name is Thad Helsley, and I am joined by my amazing co-host from the great state of Alaska, Ellie. And this is part two of our plant-based food mini-series. If you haven't heard it, we recommend you go back to part one, where we had an amazing bi-coastal blind-tasting contest of Burger King's Impossible Burger, which is plant-based, and their traditional beef burger. You can find it wherever you are listening to this. So today, we have a food expert with us, Susan Greeley. Susan is the Senior Vice President and National Director of Wellness Services at Castle Conley Private Health Partners in New York City. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist, co-creator of several cooking series, and the author of Cooking with Trader Joe's. She has spent her entire career as a medical professional helping others to get well and stay well with proper nutrition. Susan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Thad. It's great to be here. And thank you, Ellie. Nice to uh, join you today. Great, great. So I suppose so our subject, as you know, is plant-based food. So I thought maybe the first place to start is just to get sort of your general opinion of this this uh, food category. And I mean, do all of these various products fall into one big bucket or are there various shades of grade between the different manufacturers and purveyors? Hmm. Well, you just said a key word there, Thad, which is products. So when we talk about a plant-based diet and you look at the overall context of what constitutes a healthy diet, we're talking about whole foods. And so I really want to make that distinction for listeners that a healthy whole foods plant-based diet is actually very different than one that um, includes a lot of what I call ultra-processed foods. So I'm hoping we chat a little bit about that. So Susan, earlier today, we did a blind taste test with products of Impossible Foods Incorporated. And our tasters sampled one of Burger King's traditional beef patties, patty whoppers, and the Impossible Whopper, which is made with a plant-based patty from the Impossible Food Company. And no one describes Burger King as a health food chain in the first place, but it has invested many marketing dollars touting this plant-based product. And maybe I should just add that like French fries are probably a plant-based product as well. Good point. So one thing that jumped out to us in, in planning this is the nutrition label and the impossible burger has significantly more saturated fat than Burger King's normal beef patty and almost six times the level of sodium. So how does this, like, how is this a healthier entree? Uh, that's a great question. And I honestly cannot tell you it's a healthier choice. You <laughs> 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 all have choices. And so, yeah, I, I think bringing this to light is very important because there are a lot of people who really are choosing the plant-based diet as you know, with that base assumption that it is across the board healthier, and that really simply is not the case. So, oh, <laughs> you know, um, and it, it, that but, but is it 
is that true of all? I mean, we we picked this be, partly because there happened to be a Burger King in Anchorage, Alaska, and here in Virginia <laughs> when we did this test. You know, there was only so many uh, places we had to choose from. But but would you say? I mean, because there was just an explosion. One of the things we yes. say up front explosion of products in the grocery store you know mm-hmm. just about everything you can think of there's an entire right. aisle of plant-based everything ice cream god knows what i mean it's uh so are they all the same i mean this is kind of what we were saying before i know they're products <laughs> well i will say that there's a huge spectrum absolutely as you can imagine in again call it plant-based products versus, um, you know, any grocery store has, what, over 30,000 products to choose from or foods to choose from. And talking about the aisles in, a, in the store, that you know, as a dietitian, I can really only encourage people to, quote unquote, shop the perimeter, seek out the whole foods, go to the produce department. And then when it comes to things like the plant-based meats versus beef. If you're somebody who does choose, and it's not just about beef, but whole meats, for example, and good lean proteins. And, you know, it's, there's so many decisions to be made in general, though, I would say there are a lot of healthy options when you're choosing plant-based, but really the whole point is to consume more whole plant foods, period. And, you know, then within that, let's say there is a healthy granola bar or a trail mix, you know, trail mix has always been vegetarian and vegan and, you know, whatever label we want to put on it. And those are kind of, there's, there is a huge category of really good, interesting products. And you know what? Sometimes we need convenience and you still want to be healthy and people are on the go and they're busy. And so there absolutely is a place for some of these products and that are absolutely better than maybe some other alternative. Um, I liked what Ellie said about the French fries. I do have this kind of joke that I say with people that, you know, sugar and French fries are vegan. Yes. <laughs> well, depending on <laughs> that, make it a healthy plant-based diet. No. Right. So, <laughs> you know, that's really what we need to be talking about is the quality of the diet. And then when it comes to, let's say you're on the road and you are – following a plant-based diet and and Burger King, you're in Alaska and Burger King is literally your only option. Then absolutely get the Impossible Burger. And it's tasty and it's comparable. For, um, you know, the nutrition comparison though, this is where we do have to point out that the a regular ground beef burger, even at Burger King, is lower in sodium and saturated fat. And those, those are you know, a big issue for many people, for many Americans, where cardiovascular disease is still the number one killer of Americans. And we are trying mm-hmm. to improve the quality of our diet, right? So I did grow up with everything in moderation mentality, and I will stick to that. So if you have an occasional impossible burger on a plant-based diet, that is fine. If you eat a plant-based diet overall, please fill your plate with more whole foods and not processed and ultra processed products. Can I, I'm sure there's a vegan cheese whiz out there. Is that a healthy food? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't say it is. Versus, yeah. you know, so if we really, again, I, I like to focus on the, you know, simple messages for consumers and, Really, the fewer ingredients that your food product of any kind has, 
often the better. And then we can, you know, we can dive in a little bit more. I hope that answers the question, though. Um, I guess coming back to which is better, the beef burger or the Impossible Burger, it's not a clear-cut choice. Um, it depends, you know, what somebody is looking for as far as they are vegetarian or vegan or plant-based and they're really not going to eat a beef burger. But if you're trying to open somebody's mind as far as, let's say they're they're such meat eaters and you're trying to get them away from eating so much meat, then I think it's really helpful to have some of these products to get them, again, to open their mind and their palates and try some new things and be pleasantly surprised perhaps that something that isn't meat-based can taste good. Because we all eat based on taste, right? <laughs> well, that's why we wanted to do a taste test. I mean, because that's obviously very important to people. People eat things that they know aren't going to be particularly good. I mean, a gallon yeah. of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, but I'm still going to eat it, you know? <laughs> I know it's not going to, you know, turn me into Superman or anything. It's not like, you know, exactly. spinach and Popeye. But, um, well, so I have a somebody, question. Go ahead, please. To, please sorry, please. That I'm just going to interject for a second, too, as well. Like, um, and Susan, I don't know if this is in your realm of expertise or not, but is there also an overall health benefit to how people feel about their food? Like, I know a lot of people are choosing plant-based diets because they think it's, you know, more moral and ethical and, you know, maybe better for the environment and, you know, they don't want animal cruelty and things like this. Like, is despite the fact that maybe an Impossible Burger has more saturated fat and more sodium, is there an overall health benefit for people who just generally feel better about their, like, what they're putting in their body? Absolutely. I think we could talk about that. That just took us a whole different direction. And I love you asking that and saying that it's similar to a placebo effect. If you perceive some sort of benefit makes you feel good mentally, then that's the right choice for you. There 100% is a lot to be said for that. And this doesn't necessarily just apply to a beef burger versus an impossible burger. It, you know, we can translate that to a lot of different areas of our diet. And food is love. I really, you know, I'm, I'm one. So in my heart, I really believe in culinary medicine. You know, food is medicine. And in other words, if you then eat something that take a, a fresh orange, don't ask me why I'm thinking that, but we're heading into winter and you smell it and you taste it and you believe it's going to help you heal because it has vitamin C, then you definitely get he more healing properties from it. Isn't that interesting? If you have a yeah. negative perception of something and you put it in your body, well, think of that. You're putting that negativity in your mind is actually being consumed by your body. Maybe we're going in there. <laughs> um, I don't know if that makes sense. I hope it does. It, it mm -hmm. does. And I, you know, earlier we had my husband on who he was talking a little bit about his connection with a lot of his meat because he is a hunter. And so for him, when we make, say, a moose burger, that is the final part of his hobby, right? Which was doing all the research, going on the hunt, getting the animal. And now it's a burger in the freezer. But, you know, for, so that conveys a feeling as well. And so I can imagine on the plant-based aspect, it's similar. And there's a, little, a lot of just feeling that goes along with that food as well. That Well, just think of it. Food in general, the, the science of nutrition, we have to kind of separate from food and diet and, you know, emotions and culture and 
there's so much about the social aspect of eating on a personal and, you know, community, like we can't overlook that. So that was a really, really excellent question. And yeah, I, I would say that for those who, who really feel better eating it, then who, who is anyone to tell them not to, and that that's not, you know, <laughs> not true. It is true to them. They feel better eating it by all means, can, you know, have that impossible burger for that reason. Mm-hmm. The other thing on the ingredient list, at least when it comes to the impossible food uh, uh, products is genetically modified soy and and there's a, another word soy something and it's like a five syllable word that I can't pronounce but genetically modified soy and yeast and I know GMOs are controversial mm-hmm. by themselves to a lot mm-hmm. of people and I honestly don't know that much about them but but mm-hmm. why would their presence uh, well, first of all, I mean, maybe you could just quickly tell us what a GMO is, and then why would their presence in the Impossible Whopper be potentially problematic to people? Okay, so you actually already defined genetically close, genetically modified okay. organisms, and that's what they are. Uh-huh. We we alter the DNA, and to create some sort of, we'll call it a benefit. They're looking to change the existing plant. And to achieve some sort of attribute that is desirable, in this case, I'm talking about, it's what creates that little juicy or bloody (laughs) look when you cut into the Impossible Burger. So what they're doing with the yeast combined with that soy uh, is creating something to mimic that, that same texture and juiciness of a regular burger. Okay. Uh So in order to do that, they did have to come up with something new. It's really interesting. This genetically modified organism that goes into the impossible burger, quite honestly, it's generally regarded as safe GRAS. And that's, um, you know, so it, it's, it's considered safe. There's nothing to say that it is unsafe. So if you come from this perspective of we can't prove that it is unsafe. It creates desirable, tasty qualities that we like. We'll continue to use it, right? Does it? But on the flip side, if you're somebody who eats looking for certain health attributes, it is not adding, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is not adding any health attributes to that food. Does that make sense? There are... Um, plenty of functional foods out there. There are foods that are, and food products that are created to give you some health benefit. That is not the case with the Impossible Burger and this, and the GMO uh, yeast and soy product that is used in it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. You know, and, and because I've sort of been on the sidelines with this issue, I know some people like, for example, your sister who are passionately against G- anything that has a GMO. Right. And then I, I, but, but I can't fail to notice there's a, a lot of labeling in a grocery store. It'll say GMO free, you know, as right. if that is a good thing. I mean, it's like exactly. no trans fat, right? Or, or heart healthy right. or something like right. that. And again, back to your own personal, what, what is important to you? And what makes you, gives you peace of mind and makes you feel like you're consuming something either, you know, healthy or taste for whatever decisions you're making to consume that food or that food product, 
do you see where I'm going with this? With with the GMOs, plenty of people avoid them. And again, even if the research is there to say they are safe or generally regarded as safe, you can't convince people to even to touch them or go near them. I, we have to respect that. That is okay. And honestly, maybe 20, 30 years down the road, when we do have a lot more data on these foods, we can actually have other opinions or or again, proof that maybe they weren't as healthy as we thought, quite honestly. And so there are a lot of people who say, you know what, I would rather not put that in my body because we simply don't know. And that is true. Others will argue and say, oh, we have plenty of data. You know, it's it, to me, it's neither here nor there. It comes down to, okay, because we can say they're generally regarded as safe and they're not going to cause harm. Again, it comes to this personal decision. But see, you know, it it is important to point that out, Thad, that the Impossible Burger in particular does have genetically modified organisms in it. And so for some people following a plant-based diet, they'll say that, you know, I don't like to focus on the fear factor. It is a real thing with food though. And some people are afraid of GMOs. And so this product is not for them. <laughs> and so much of diet and what we eat really is personal. I think that that's the bottom line. And I just, I really like people to have full information and then you decide. And any one-off, let's say you're somebody who's absolutely, completely opposed to consuming GMOs. But again, in that situation, they're out hiking in Alaska. The first town they come to is Anchorage. And the first, the only food open or available happens to be the Burger King. I keep coming back to this because I love that you're in Alaska and here we are able to do this podcast. I'm in New Jersey surrounded by every type of (laughs) ultra processed food and fast food imaginable at any given time, basically. So given all those choices on my side, which would I go for? I will confess, I have had the Impossible Burger. I think it's quite tasty. Do I eat it regularly? No. And so, again, it's really, um, sometimes it's situational. But overall, if there's a a plant-based food product that you're wanting to try, my feeling is, why not try it? And then you can decide. But I will say, as a, you know, as a dietitian of so many years, People make food, they decide to eat something based on the funniest thing sometimes, right? Like they'll they'll love to tell me they're eating it, oh, because it's low in this or high in fat, whatever. It's just, it's really funny. So people like to also, quote unquote, convince themselves of, (laughs) of whatever, you know, they want to believe as far as what they're getting out of that food. Kind of back to your point that it's, you know, if it's something positive for them, they want to eat it, they by all means eat it. You know, it, it when I was a kid in the 70s, a vegetarian was a very, very uncommon thing. And people would make fun of it. would be your super liberal aunt who would be a vegetarian. I even heard, I had not even heard of the word vegan, you know, at the time, but just a vegetarian. And they were just like considered oddballs and people would giggle about them behind their backs. Do, do you see it as a positive thing that now we can have a hundred billion dollar industry and an entire aisle of a grocery store dedicated to plant-based products? Is that positive or or are you more like, go to the produce section, dipshit? I'm sorry. <laughs> Eat some actual vegetables and fruits and not the stuff that's in a box or, a you know, a freeze 
dried wrapping? What you, uh, is it a positive? You really move? want my aunt? You, this is why you have me here, Thad. So <laughs> That's it is. It's scandal sheets, so you can you can say whatever you want. <laughs> Those were your words. I kind of liked what you just said. <laughs> uh, it really is true. I think it's overkill on all the products. I and mean, we really are bombarded by too many products. And yes, absolutely. Do you know how many people I still hear say fruit's too high in sugar and they avoid eating a piece of fresh fruit, but they'll you know, pop open the latest and greatest plant-based snack food. And And that is very frustrating in that sense when you're out there educating consumers and the public about what is the healthiest diet it's a whole foods diet period whether it's and plant-based to me and plant forward and all that absolutely make the majority of your foods plant-based so fresh fruits vegetables but it goes beyond that we've got whole grains you've got legumes you've got nuts and seeds and there is so much variety to be had in plant foods, absolutely. And then, again, when it comes to just convenience and living in this modern world where we can do all these cool products and name them cool things and package them in cool ways, it's, <laughs> it's um, seductive. It is, isn't it? So there, do I want to trash them all? No, not necessarily. And on the flip side, though, I'm totally with you. It's like people got to stop thinking way too much about it. And it's not complicated to say what are the healthiest foods. It is really a balanced diet of whole natural foods. Do eat local, sustainable, in-season. And I mean that, too, if you have a local farm, guess what? And you do consume meat, well, get your, there's nothing wrong with going to that local farm and buying your side of beef or whatever it is, you know, know the source of your food. And the same goes for all of those, those fruits and vegetables. I personally do have a local farm box. I love it. It's the best part of my week when I get that delivery on my doorstep and I open it up and I just made an amazing butternut squash and apple soup because that's what I got. And, you know, and so those are, does everybody have the time and energy to cook a homemade soup? Maybe not. And on the flip side, though, maybe if you were buying more of these seasonal local foods, it would inspire and motivate you to do so or if that's literally all you had available. And, you know, that's a, we're talking to people. That's what I love about podcasts. We could be reaching people around the globe and everybody has different food accessible to them. Correct. And, and different traditions and different cultures. And again, different taste. So um, wherever I'm going with this, I just want to say it does come down back to the basics for a healthy diet, uh, and whether you're vegan or not, and by the way, Thad, I want to mention that back in the 70s, I had an older brother who wrote, <laughs> he'll remember if he listens to this, he wrote banned, took a knife and carved into the brownies made with butter that they were banned because they weren't vegan. I think I was probably about seven years old and I said, what does that mean? So he, <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, and we couldn't, wow. regular, I think it was certain crackers that were made with lard versus vegetable oil. These, these, you know, topics have been around a long time. Isn't that fascinating? And so I was talking. Well, yeah, yeah. I bet that's kind of a pain in the fanny for mommy. Yeah. 
to have her her food products, especially brownies, being defiled that way. Right. So then we would get into this discussion and ask my sister. This goes literally back to the 70s where um, dad mentioned an older sister of mine and who doesn't have the nutrition background. But we, we even knew then that partially hydrogenated oils were worse for you than the butter. So we had this discussion going on, me as a little girl listening, more like I wasn't able to partake. But why is butter better than Crisco? If you remember Crisco and... Plenty I of do. Baked I do. It, right. Well, thankfully, that has been removed from our food supply. And this is absolutely a case where I would say that the butter, which is clearly not vegan or on a plant based diet, is healthier than anything like a Crisco that is full of the partially hydrogenated oils. And take this back quickly to the Impossible Burger. I am not a fan of putting coconut oil into our diets where it wouldn't otherwise be. Coconuts and coconut oil um, alone. Is it hel- it can be part of a healthy diet, absolutely, but there's no need to add the high saturated fat content from coconut oil into all of these processed foods right now. And this is something that I have seen quite frequently, actually, because I do see blood work of people. Not to take it to more of a clinical slant here, however, that saturated fat content... Does coconut oil, does it convey flavor? Is that the purpose of, of including it in you the product? You know what? It's, so coconut oil is, it gives you the mouthfeel. It gives you that fattiness that you like in a, in okay. a fatty burger, quite honestly. And okay. it's more stable. But it, so that's part of it. But because coconut oil in general is, it's interesting. It's a mostly saturated fat. It is solid at room temperature, if you see it. Yeah. And so that works better in the burger than an oil. They couldn't use an oil. It's more about, uh, again, you know, the flavor, the texture, all of that. But it is a highly saturated fat and it's not part of our diets normally in the amounts that I'm seeing it come into a lot of these plant-based products because they're, they're using more coconut oil than they have, right? In some of these non-dairy other products that are, are they're replacing dairy and using a lot of coconut oil in general. And I do see people's LDL and cholesterol levels go up. And so it's, you know, it's really, again, all about balance and moderation and really looking at what you're consuming on a daily basis. If you have these things occasionally, there's nothing wrong with it. But my feeling is back to fats. I could actually talk about fats a long time. If you're consuming olive oil and avocado and nuts and seeds, and you're somebody who does consume, say, fish and meats, you can make those the highest quality you can on your fish and your grass-fed and pasture-raised meats and eat them in small amounts, and you're getting a much better fat profile than when you're consuming these ultra-processed foods that are considered plant-based and have a lot of bad oils Ella, do you have any anything else that you want to ask? I think we covered a lot, a lot more than any of us expected to. Anticipated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She looks, and, um, I could talk about yeah. it forever, honestly. Yeah, and and, and, and I, I like this. We'll have to have you back with any to. other like food would, scandals. Yes, and stuff scandals and, are good. You know, do a deep dive. Right. Okay. Yeah, if you have any, if you can think of any, I mean. Any other food scan- food related scandals that you want to share well, with us? Well, a lot of um, that we could talk about on another that we could have a devote another episode. I would to. love to. I have to um, think about it. This was a really great one though because so many people are consuming these 
this is so relevant and timely and kind of hits the nail on the head. It really does. Oh, I just saw you milks, the plant-based milks. We could talk about like dairy versus plant-based milks. There a lot of those other his uh is, is soy milk bad? Because no, that's what I drink no. rather than real milk. I'm lactose intolerant. I would love so. to talk about this. That's funny you say that because okay. organic soy milk is my dairy alternative of choice for people. For strictly okay. from okay. a nutrition and health Good. standpoint. Absolutely. So the only thing I hate that. about it is it's got tons of sugar in it. You know, they you most of the ones bag. that are out there. You have to get an unsweetened. This is. You have to, yeah. You you have to look, yeah. but it's like at the, it's at the very end of the aisle, like sort of covered up by stuff. It <laughs> it's is, like, you know, all the I other silk and everything is like a million grams of yeah. sugar in it. You know, which is what corn sweetener. It really cane syrup. It yeah, it, it varies. Evaporated yeah. cane syrup. That's my favorite one. You know that you see. It's it's crazy how much sugar. And so we could talk about that. The the hidden sugars in people's diet when they think they're eating healthfully or or making their coffee healthier. You know, maybe we talk about that. I would love to come back in any case and yeah. And cover okay. more well, we'll, we'll coffee. Coffee is we'll as you're drinking your black that was a black coffee. It is. I never put anything in my I coffee. I rarely do either. And when I do occasionally it's um it, it's soy milk. Like if I make a latte or something, but to be continued because if we wanted to cover beverages, something like that, that's that's a great topic. And I'm a big proponent of coffees and teas as being, you know, the that's where we get the most antioxidants in our diet, and they're both very very healthy. So coffee drinkers, mm. I love to talk about it. <laughs> and it's, yeah, excellent. Yeah. So, well, look, thanks very much, Susan, for joining us. This has been extraordinarily helpful and. Uh, we hope to um, have a chance to talk to you on other food-related subjects again. You know, I would love to come back anytime. I really absolutely love talking about this and can't tell you enough how uh, much I appreciate having the opportunity. So thank you. We hope that you'll follow or subscribe to Scam Sheet on your favorite pod platforms and share it with all your friends. We'd also love it if you'd leave a shameless, over-the-top rave review on Apple Podcasts especially. That helps us build audience. And also, we want to hear from you! You can reach us online at scandalsheetpod.com, Facebook or Twitter, or just send us an email to contact at scandalsheetpod.com. We'll see you next time on Scandal Sheets! Copyright 2022. Thad Helsley Media LLC. All rights reserved.